So here is a question. If you were going to be sent to one city in the world to live your last three days before someone killed you, where would you want to be sent? Well, um, am I allowed to go where I have friends? Or in this scenario, am I some kind of hired gun who has lived a life that has seemingly uh, separated me from the bonds of friendship? I think even if you did have friends, you wouldn't be allowed to go see them because that would put them put their lives in great danger. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute. Is it my choice? <laughs> or is it is the person who's going to kill me looking out for my friends? Uh, I no, I get it. I get I'm gonna also I'm gonna say yes. Yes, that's possible. It might also be possible I'm not allowed to see my friends because they might help me escape. Yeah. But I like the idea it could be my choice. Yes, I would prefer to put my friends in danger if possible <laughs> so that I could see them. Well, the two cities that came to mind, one was Nashville, which is the home. My sister is there. A lot of my friends, mm -hmm. uh, along with memories, are there. And it might be might make for a good melancholic montage to see me walk through my childhood before somebody attempts to shoot me. Whereas in Bruges, of course, they just put him in a playground so you can feel that childhood innocence and nashville does have that awesome playground with a, like a little badly painted dragon that you could sit on and just like pet its snout they do yes it is very near the the belcourt cinema which is one of my favorite places in nashville uh the other thought uh oh now there are too many thoughts i could go to seoul i could go to paris paris is what i thought of because it has brought me so much joy the two times that I visited. Mm -hmm. Brought me a lot of, as you would want in an in Bruges situation, uh, random, momentary, brilliant encounters with people, like conversations. Uh, there was that waitress once who kept saying the word puissant, <laughs> and she kept saying it because I kept saying it back to her because I <laughs> but found she, you've it. But you've got to remember she did the arm movement as well, like the Popeye weightlifting arm movement that went with it. I think I would go to a city I had never been to because I'm such a scaredy cat traveler. There are so many places in the world that I would love to visit but have never been to, especially around South America, like Chile, Argentina, Colombia... All these places that I'm like, well, if I'm going to die, I, I there's nothing to be scared about anymore. It would be like a, a massive release. Yes, I can see that. There is something about living with the constant specter of death. It's very helpful for the elimination of fear. Uh, of course, that is not how Imbruge works, which uh, it's all hidden from the guy. Also, he did not get to choose his city. No, which is one of the most beautiful, sweetly ironic and frustrating things about the movie. So if you haven't seen him, Bruges, Colin Firth. No, no. <laughs> no. No. What's his name? Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Darcy the Assassin. Uh, different film. But I don't know why it's not Pride and Prejudice and Assassins. Why do they make a Pride and Prejudice oh, and Zombies film? Those guys are mistake. clearly... What a mistake. What a mistake. Colin Farrell, yeah. hitman, kills a little boy, is sent to, is sent to in Bruges by his boss let's be clear he kills the little boy on accident by accident yeah, yeah. right while killing a priest yeah <laughs> the, that was the real mission kill the priest yeah. accidental accidental bonus killed the little boy yes racked with guilt mm. boss has sent him and uh ken yes to ken. bruges right to hide out mr big ears and Shh, don't do that. that's mean <laughs> 
And Harry, who's the big boss, thinks that it's some kind of treat for this young lad, this frankly mm. immature rash impulsive kid to go to bruges and he's just fucking bored by the whole thing yeah you remember what harry calls bruges no a fucking fairy tale it's like a fucking fairy fairy tale yeah for a minute i was like are we allowed to say fuck i forgot (laughs) this is is our show (laughs) we are definitely allowed to say fuck oh it's like a fucking fairy tale that place is he liking it is he enjoying it because uh you're supposed to kill him i think that one of the things i enjoy about in bruges is spoiler everybody dies right so you've got the three main guys you've got harry who's the big boss you've got uh ray who's the the young guy who kills the kid accidentally and then you've got ray's friend slash mentor ken and they die like their arcs are such beautiful different facets on the kind of um let's say arc of masculine stereotypes right so you've got ray who is new in the business of hitmanning. Ken has brought him in, this is his first job, and he's fucked it up. So he is the baby, kind of literally, in that he's new and doesn't know how it all works. And also in that he has failed. He is he uh, was trying to learn and he has not succeeded. Then you've got Ken, who's his mentor. So Ken tries to rescue Ray. He tries to make it okay he tries to get him to talk about it he he creates this escape route for ray when harry comes to kill him so you've got ken is like embodying this idea of a saintliness he dies in order to try and save ray and then you've got harry who comes along and is like uh, uh, uh you must die to ray you did a bad thing now you must die it's not a a question he he's not interested in notions of good and bad he's not interested in forgiveness he's only interested in retribution that his rules his perspective on life is the one that has to be carried out and in that way in that single-mindedness in that lack of accepting of anything else he's like embodying this notion of the devil so you've got the baby the saint and the devil and they all have these (laughs) chris is making amazing amazing faces like what are you talking about emma you know he's the bad man he's, he's the big the boogeyman god he's all wrath and vengeance he has very strict ideas okay, of what okay, is right yeah, and yeah. wrong and if you violate that that means that you get punished no you're right that is a much better description i always think of the boogeyman as being the devil but but right he is bringing down this punishment and uh and so i just love that you've got these three guys who in the end all die but they die with such different symbolism and to have constructed the story around that makes me incredibly happy one of the things I think we talked about after we watched it, maybe days later, was uh, a distinction between cruelty and meanness. And I <laughs> happily submit to our audience that the distinction I am about to create is almost certainly arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Unlike everything else in this podcast, obviously. In, in in Bruges, this is the hardest thing about the film, really, is mm-hmm. to in any way use prepositions around it, as the title includes a preposition, which everyone knows you should never do in a title. You do not begin a title with a preposition because it makes it very hard for people to talk about your film. So in in Bruges, there are moments that I would describe as cruel, often in a way that could be described as the cruelty of fate. Like Harry, 
one of the reasons why he believes Ray must die is from Harry's point of view, to shoot a child is the worst thing you can do. And his code of honor says, if I shoot a child, I immediately have to fucking kill myself. And the film allows Harry to experience the murder of what he thinks is a child. And so he kills himself, but it turns out that it was not a child and he's killed himself for no reason. But what makes it magical is not that he killed himself for no reason, but that in the movie's depiction of that, as you were saying, it is his character. The film has allowed the character to essentially destroy himself mm -hmm. through his own flaw. So it's a beautiful, horrible thing. And it feels wonderfully cruel to me because I see cruelty as an ability to really see and understand and know the worst or best thing to say to someone and to choose the worst thing. Mm -hmm. And in the case of a story, that might be as a writer, you want to know how to be cruel. You want to put your character in the worst possible situation to have the worst possible things happen to them and find out who they are. And mm -hmm. if they're a character like Harry, they will fail. Uh, and the audience will enjoy it because they don't like Harry. Mm -hmm. And that's great. That's funny. Uh, there are things in Bruges that more seem mean to me. There's a lot of homophobic banter. There's a lot of... Uh, but I, I had forgotten about that. And I, every time it happened, I was just like, oh, ew. Yeah. And Ooh. I mean, I don't enjoy it. I, I don't think the characters in the film are nice people. I don't think that when I'm watching the film that it feels entirely gratuitous or out of place. But I do know I enjoy the cruelty of the film much more than I enjoy the meanness of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I definitely don't need to see people on screen saying that shit, even if they're bad people. If they, I need, if they're going to say that stuff, then I need it to somehow be addressed or commented on rather than just let, rather than just kind of slide on by. It feels like either lazy characterization or lazy meanness yeah it's like it's yeah, not, yeah, it doesn't feel like smart writing right yeah I, I often like the when i hear the word mean what it does in my chest is elicit a sense of um of pettiness of smallness of narcissism and when i hear the word cruel i think of the moment where ken realizes that he's developed this relationship with Ray and is trying to care for his sadness and anxiety and trauma of having killed someone. Mm. And then he learns, Ken learns, that he has to kill Ray, mm -hmm. essentially a child he's been raising yes. that is cruel. Uh, and so therefore, wonderful. I enjoy it immensely. Oh, it's so, it's such one of those like heart dropping moments. It's perfect. I don't know that I have anything much more to say about it. Apart from your amazing factoid that Ken, Brendan Gleeson's son, played the captain on one of the baddie ships in Star Wars. I can never remember what the, all the different planes are called. As if they allow planes in space, Emma. Planes in space! <laughs> that's my next That's my next story. Um, well, there are a couple of... I mean, I think there are a couple of things that bear mentioning before we go. One is that in Bruges includes a ridiculous homage and parody of a story we talked about a little while ago called Don't Look Now. Oh, which yeah, is, the Daphne du Maurier one. Yes, which uh, has a little person mistaken for a child. And that child that the little person is mistaken for is seen for most of the story as a kind of ghost because 
the couple in that story has lost a child and they're haunted. And in Bruges has a little person in it who, of course, has horrible insults, insults thrown at him, but he's a character in the film and he exists, but he exists in part to also be the butt of a joke at the end of the movie where he right. is killed by Harry. He is the person that Harry kills and Harry thinks, oh my God, I've killed a child. Yeah. And the film has set you up for this. It has told you that there's a film being shot that is an homage to Don't Look Now. So it sets you up. I, I, In the context of the film being a comedy, a horribly dark comedy, and taking this horror story and making another joke out of it, it kind of works. I enjoy that it doesn't make a huge deal out of it, but essentially it is the same setup. There is a couple in some European city haunted by the death of a child uh, and everything goes to shit in the end uh, and it's horrible. And that... right, You can almost hear that um, in the Daphne de Maurier story, you mm. get the internal monologue of, I don't remember what his name is, John, Probably. maybe. And he's like, what a silly way to die. And you can or you can just feel that happening as Harry shoots himself at the end. You're just like, oh, God, yeah. Harry, what a silly way to die. Also, I, I, I love Colin Farrell in the film. I love his character. I love Ray. You were describing him as the baby. And I think that is one way to describe him. For me, the way that Ken sees Ray feels generous and true. He's essentially telling Ray... You have been traumatized. You are too sensitive. You have too many feelings to be a hitman. Mm -hmm. I think you have more to do with your life than this. It's almost like, you know, Ken is doing that thing that... It reminds me of what we just saw the other night in a Mrs. Maisel episode where the father goes to his son. The son is working far too hard. The father has made many, many mistakes in his life with his son. But he, he goes to his son, his lay... I wanted you to be here with me, but I see that this is eating away too much of your life and you're better than this. Here is all of the money that I took from you that was really yours all along with the interest of my guilt on it. Please go live your life. And it's a kind of love I deeply appreciate in life and in stories, which is a recognition of one's own failings and someone else's possibility and to say, here, go, um, and it feels like that's what Ken is doing in the movie. Like, he is such the center of the film. He can say, here I am. I don't care about killing people. That's who yeah. I am. I'm good at it. Right. You are not good at it. What is always so interesting to me, though, is he it's Ken that brought Ray into the Hitman world. Right. It's the, he yeah. must have known him. Maybe, yeah, but he didn't know. And he thought at that time... Oh, I know what I can do for this kid. I'll give him a direction in life. Maybe he's as broken as me. Oh, shit. Turns out. Different broken. Yeah. Yes, yeah. That's Way what... too sensitive, oh. which we all know is the cardinal sin. Oh, yeah, it could be. Ken and Kit could have been too sensitive as well. Like a lot of people that present as closed off, it's because they've learned great tools for closing themselves. I mean, and that that is something special, I think in Imbrus, something that Amal El Motar talked about in her interview a long time ago, which is there aren't enough films about friendship. And Bruges mm -hmm. is a story about their friendship. And it's a bit parent-child, but it's I mean, there's a bit of a parent and child in a lot of relationships. It's but it is their friendship that is very much like the the father and Mrs. Maisel has brought the son in thinking mm -hmm. that it was the mm -hmm. right thing and is now saying, No, 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 I made a mistake. 
I turns made a mistake. Out, turns out I don't want my, my business of making clothes to eat you up. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I did not expect really such a strong resonance between The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel <laughs> and, and In Bruges. And In Bruges doesn't need an extra preposition there. Good thing they didn't go to Innsbruck. Innsbruck? Isn't, is that, is that it's a city in Germany. And then it would be in Innsbruck. So we'd have to oh, say in, in Innsbruck. Okay. It sounds like a Lovecraft town, but I don't think he ever went to Europe because he did not like outsiders. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a wrap. <laughs>